Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Armor Report Week in Review. Join me on my trading desk. Let's talk about what happened last week in the stock market and what we think is going to happen next week and how we'll be day trading it, swing trading it, or investing, depending on what plays out. So we're going to go over the playbook, talk about, um, depending on how the market behaves, we'll react. So we're going to go over today part of what happened last week. I'm going to share with you two plays out of the Armored Day Trading Playbook um, that makes money consistently. We're going to want to make sure we execute this every time we see it. So I'm going to go over a long and a short trade. And what we're going to do is talk about the market behavior last week, the close on Friday, and what may happen next week and whether or not it'll change the risk monitor, right? So this is all about the Armour Report's three-stage process, building our whiteboard where we do our fundamental research, using algorithms to determine when we get long and when we hold a lot of cash in the portfolio, and using stop losses to protect it. So we're going to talk about uh, any, as we're risk monitor red now, and we have been since December 3rd, confirmed on January 10th, so we've avoided the market correction. The question is, when will that change positive? What has to happen? And how do we behave when it does happen? We're going to go over that today. Um, and then, of course, we'll drill down into what are our favorite groups, right? We always love to do that. Here's our you know, top shelf ideas that we're looking at on the whiteboards. We've got a lot of ideas we like. What's at the top of that whiteboard that we might end up owning? So I'll go over all of that, then I'll get to your questions, which is, you know, quite frankly, my favorite part of this Saturday show, because I learn a lot from you guys. So I appreciate you spending time with me today. Um, I'm sharing with you my own approach. I've been doing this over 30 years. I'm trying to share with you information that makes money and protects capital. I want to share that information and then show you how to use it. That's what we're doing today and every day on the show. But don't forget, it's my own personal journey. It's how I run my own personal capital. You've got to make your own choices when it comes to what you buy, when you buy, when you invest, how you trade. Do your own due diligence. You know, make sure the risk is commensurate to what you can accept. And then you execute. Okay? So, obviously, if you'd like to subscribe to this channel, right down here, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at Brett Rosenthal or on StockTwits. Um, uh, at the Armor Report on Stock Twits. And of course, you can subscribe to the Armor Report itself, which is right here. Okay, so um, basic website is you, you have these four um, primary uh, tiles exclusive video, whiteboard analysis, what's in our portfolio, what the percentages are, what our targets are, where we buy things, where we sell things, and then the risk monitor. Then you scroll down, we have our captain's log every day. I write a little uh, note, and we talk about it in the morning meeting at 8.30 in the exclusive video page. Armor, investing rules of the road, chart diagrams. We're going to get to that in a minute because we're going to add these two new trades to that part of the port to, um, to the website. So when you click on that, you see all of the trades I'm about to go over with you. All right. So without further ado, let's, let's jump into... Um, I always debate whether or not we should talk day trading first and then the big picture. Let's just do that today for the fun of it. Let's, let's go over real quick, and then we'll get to the big picture. So let's go over a couple of um, trades from this week. For those of you who are trading the indexes with us, I'm going to walk you through Friday's action. We were long and short Friday. Now, I'm going to use the S&P as the chart that we're looking at, but we also trade uh, the small cap index. We trade the NASDAQ 100, sometimes the Dow, sometimes VIX. But we're just going to look at the, um, the S&P right here. It's going to be a three-minute chart. The up bars are blue. The down bars are red. Um, I'm also going to show you how we trade on Fed Day. Okay, this is going to be important. Uh, you can write this down. It, it literally works 
nothing's 100%, but statistically significant amount of the time, these trades I'm about to share with you. All right, so this is day trading the indexes. Here we go. You're looking at our chart. Now, a lot of lines on this chart. Some of you like to chuckle when you see all these lines, okay? It really helps me. It gives me my goalposts. I'm an old goaltender, right? Ice hockey netminder, all right? So I like my goalposts, and that's, that's why this speaks to me. The purple dashes are spot gamma locations. All the other lines, well, I shouldn't say all of them. Most of these lines are an algorithm that we call the Armour Price Movement Profiler that we use to day trade. The black dots are the volume-weighted average price that really drives the bus of all of our day trading. Standard deviations one, two, and three above the black line are key. Then you see these horizontal lines, green and red. That's um, Fibonacci extensions above and below the opening range. You see this blue line here, which is the average true range, high and low. Now I put in the 200-day moving averages just so you can see where the market was trading in relative uh, to the to the 200-day moving average. So this is the exponential 200, and this is the standard 200-day moving average. Now. For those of you who are new, average true range, VWAP, all these different things. I call them the armor average true range, the armor VWAP. It's part of an algorithm. It's thousands of lines of code. We take basic off-the-shelf trade station ATR calculations, VWAP calculations, and infuse top-day and multi-day volatility to make them more accurate. Okay, so for the sake of this conversation, just so you don't get confused, hey, that's not the VWAP on my screen. It's a different VWAP. Okay, it's part of our algo. All right, so let me take you back first. This is Friday's action. We're going to go over that second. But I want to take you back first to um, Fed Day, and we're going to mark up the chart together. So as I do this, let me take you, just so you understand what we're doing. Here's the um, Armor Insiders can access this, right? So subscribers go into um, clicking on Armor Chart Diagrams, Day Trading, Playbook. You're going to see a whole bunch of chart like this with descriptions of how we trade specific days. Now, the theory behind this is kind of like the theory of a football offensive coordinator. All right, there's just so many defenses can be put on the field. If we can spot what they are before trading starts, we can read and react to what's going on and make money. Right. So we're building a playbook for everybody and subscribers. It might take me six months to figure to finish this because I really want to create a comprehensive playbook for you. And I'm going to end up putting it into a PDF file and all subscribers are going to get that PDF file. So then you can, you know, literally take these pictures out, print them up, put them on the wall, step one, two, and three of how to trade. It's, it's, that's not the hard part of trading. This is actually easy. The hard part's the execution, position size, the nerve to do it, believing in what you're doing. That's a whole nother conversation we'll save for another day. This is the easy part. Okay. So, You'll see right here, long setup, trading the Fed day. And, and so on a Fed day, I block this in white because I say to you, we don't trade at all before the Fed news because it doesn't do anything. What looks like might be a breakout turns out to be a failure. What looks like a breakdown. So bottom line, all it does is trade around the VWAP waiting for the news. You get a big volume spike up. Now, this is three-minute bar chart. So each bar is three minutes. Step one. On a long day, if you're, if you're buying the Fed meeting, I'm going over this with you because it's, it's the reciprocal on a short day. And you're going to see it play out. It's really incredible what happened on, on, on Wednesday. But here you go. So we trade nothing. Step one, we don't trade. Step two, we see the big reaction higher off of the Fed news. Okay? Step three, we wait for the, for the pullback to test. And at 2.30, when the Fed chairman starts speaking, we look to see a break above that consolidation test and we get long and we ride it all the way to the close and make a lot of money. That's the Vanna trade. What this is actually describing to you is that market participants that held puts were waiting to see what the Fed was going to say. When the Fed's comments were not a surprise, were not negative, they weren't, they weren't concerned about anything, they sell their puts, which drives the market higher to the close and we, we steal candy away from the proverbial baby. Okay, now let's go to what happened on Fed Day this time around. Please note, 
when we're long on Fed Day, it's because the market's down in front of the Fed news. Then the Fed makes comments that are not a surprise, creates the put covering, Vanna rally, make a lot of money long. Look what happened on Wednesday of this week. Market gapped up on Wednesday of this week. It gapped up. So first of all, on the gap up, you do nothing in front of the Fed meeting, right? So we're going to mark this as white. We're going to say we don't do anything before the Fed news because there's a lot of starts. Oh, it looks like it was going to go, then it collapses. Then it's, no, all it's doing is trading around the VWAP, waiting for the news. The first reaction is up, okay? The news comes out, and it's an immediate huge bar to the upside. Now, walk with me here back to what happened on the positive day. Look at the first reaction to the news on a bullish day. It was actually a down bar with a tail going below the VWAP when the news broke. And then it reversed up. Look what happened on Wednesday. News comes out, it pops higher. Total suckers play. Trap the bull. It reverses and breaks down below the low of the big up bar. We still don't do anything. Nothing to do here. This is the first bit. Now, the reciprocal happens. It rallies back up into the Fed meeting at 2.30 when the Fed starts speaking. And so the short trade this bar right here takes you above VWAP, and when you go below that bar, and let's make this um, let's make this pink one. Because it's a sell, right? When you go back below the low of that bar that pops out, and maybe it'll help you if I do like this. Make it a little bit wider. When you go below the bar that it popped out of right here. So there's the volume up above the VWAP. When it takes that out, you get short for the rest of the day. Boom, boom, boom. Sell is right off to a, to a gamma location. So what I'm sharing with you today, the information is this. Number one, you don't trade before the Fed news. Just take a break. Actually, I leave the desk. I read a book, spend time with my wife, go for a walk on the beach. I, I, don't, I do everything I can to avoid the market before the Fed news. Fed news hits. If you've gapped up in front of the Fed meeting, you're leaning short. If the market's down in front of the Fed meeting, you're leaning long. You watch the reaction for the first half hour. News comes out at 2 o'clock. You don't act on that. You wait to see what happens at 2.30 when the Fed starts speaking. And you execute. Boom. Make your mind. Okay? So you can write this down. Armor Insiders, you'll be able to go to the website next week, and this will be in that segment, okay, of Armor Day Trading Playbook. And you'll see it, step one, two, three, and four, because we're going to see this over and over and over again on Fed Day. And we're going to make this money every time. All right, now let's go, let's go over to um, what happened Friday. We actually caught two of the three trades on Friday. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't, I didn't catch the third trade. And, and so I wanted to highlight it today because – um, it's so easy, that money. It happens almost every Friday, particularly in a down market, that it is criminal not to make this money, okay? I'll show you what I mean. So first of all, our day trading playbook, market had a down day the previous day, so it opens a little bit weaker in the morning, right at a key location. So what I want you to see here is, this is important, sometimes the trades, it's important to look at not just the trade day you're, you're looking at, but the last couple of days. So you can see not only is the gamma location right here, but you can see the low of two days ago, the low of yesterday, prior day, and then we go below that low in the morning to test. So the first trade for us on our desk, this is one of our favorite trades, it tests and breaks above not only the VWAP, but it breaks above the um, um, the spot gamma location of importance that day. So you're breaking above VWAP, spot gamma, 
and back above the low of the prior two days. That is a no-brainer entry point. Write it down. It works every time. Now, when I say it works every time, what I mean is the risk-reward is optimal at that point. What's the stop? It's, a no, it's, it's really not that hard. The stop's a new low. If it hits a new low, the thing's going to implode. Statistically speaking, that probably happens one out of ten times. Okay, so you take a loss. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. When it pops above VWAP here, and it takes out this low in here, that's your stop. So you can see your stop is small compared to the gains that can be captured. Okay? So what we're trying to do when we're day trading is put on a trade where the stop is tight, so the, the risk is small, but the reward is enormous. If you could day trade like that, if you can identify that setup and execute, <laughs> that's the hard part, execute it constantly every day without getting worn out, without getting tired, without thinking about yesterday's trade that didn't work, but execute it every day the same. Statistically speaking, you make money. See, day trading is not hard. The hard part is executing it. But knowing how to do it in the playbook, I mean, it's right here. I mean, it's just right here. So we just got to execute it. So you, you can either buy the, the breakout bar. You can wait for the consolidation. You can double up when there's another breakout bar. So you buy a part of your position on the move to see if it's working. If it does, then you add to it. And then you get the run. Bang, bang, bang. All right? Then the market puts in a top. We exited right in here for a whole host of reasons. I'll go over that on a different day. I got to speed up here a little bit. Um, makes a double top. We got short right here. So we're actually shorting the market right here. So our second trade of the day was a short right there. Okay. This was the second trade of the day. Short back to the VWAP. Now, when I short, just a quick caveat, I don't ever short the S&P. I short the NASDAQ and the small cap index. They have larger moves. And I, I never want to be short the S&P. I just, my own personal preference. So I'll, I'll short NASDAQ. If I see this happen in the S&P, I short the NASDAQ and the small caps when they look exactly the same, which they did on Friday. Okay? In fact, just to give you a little peek of what happened on the short side, it's a little more um, attractive here on the, NAS, on the small caps because it actually went through. You can see. This trade right here broke below VWAP, went all the way down to the low of the day. We captured that entire move, okay, and then missed the next rally. All right, so let's go over that next rally because that's really, that was really the easiest trade of the day, and I ended up not capturing it. And, and you know, part of the reason sometimes I think is just fatigue. I've made a lot of money already on the day, and I just say to myself, well, I've had a, I had a great run. I've, I made enough money. I'm, I'm done for the day. But Normally, normally that's true, okay? I, I, I like to preach that when you've hit your nut for the day, when you've made, you know, a lot of money day trading, you say, wow, I just, I just had a huge day. I got long first, I made a lot of money, then I got short, and a lot of you, you don't want to overtrade your account and give away the money that you've made when you've hit your, your nut. I mean, particularly if you've made more money. I mean, maybe depending on your position size, you had a huge day already, so why give it back? That's true on almost every occasion with the exception of Friday. And here's why. This is particularly true in a risk monitor red, negative gamma environment where the market's been down all week. There are an over allotment of puts that are in the money. And guys who own puts are notoriously quick to exit. The decay is faster and they generally don't hold all those puts over the weekend. You can see this happen. Just go back and look at Fridays. Over the last couple of Fridays, it starts at 2.30. It rips to the close almost every Friday in a down market. Now, every now and then, this trade will fail. It's okay because the risk is tiny and the reward's enormous. Let's go look at it. Okay, so... When I was booking my profits on the short side, I literally needed to turn around and get long immediately. All right. This was the bar where I booked my profits short. That, that bar that goes back above VWAP. So when you come back to VWAP, hold VWAP and go back above it, that's your buy bar 
for the continuation of the original long entry. See, this is a long day. This is a day where the S&P is going higher. This is a small correction, but the overall trend is higher. Unless the original low where we got long in the morning is taken out, you have to look at the entire day as a bullish day. So now if the S&P takes out the low, that, that first buy bar that made us money in the morning, okay, now it's a short close. The market will implode to the close. As long as it stays above that line, it's a bullish day in the market. Don't forget that. So you're looking for defenses at the VWAP, which is exactly what happened. You get long on that defense, and you ride it all the way to the close. So while we had a great day on our trading desk, we could have had an enormous day by simply following the easiest Vanna trade of the week, which is 2.30 to 4 at the end of the week where the guys who own puts have made a lot of money. We're not going to miss that again. I'll see you next Friday, Armor Insiders. We're going to be eyeballing that trade. And what was the risk? What was the risk? Who, who, what was the risk? It takes, out, it takes out the low of the up bar, so what? All right, so you're out versus the amount of money you make on the long side. Okay, now, allow me to switch gears. Let's start talking about the stock market. Last week on Saturday, so we're talking about the stock market. We're talking about day trading. So let's start talking about investing now. What's the investing information I want to share and how are we going to use it next week? Last week, what I shared with you was that the market had, a, had an awful week before. The risk monitor had been read. We're definitely in a bear market. But I said to you, we expect a reversal day Monday up Tuesday. The Fed day is a toss-up. You never know what the Fed's going to say. Thursday weakness. That's exactly what we had. And then Friday, if it's a bear market that's going to really implode, Friday's down. As we can see, Friday was up. Okay, so the question today is, is that the beginning of the end of the correction? And we're going to go back into some type of bull market? Or is this a classic bear or a bull trap in a bear market? Now, we're going to have to read and react next week. So I, I don't like making predictions, but I'm going to share with you what I'm looking at and the, the direction I'm leaning and if the market proves me otherwise, I'll change my execution, okay? But I'm going to show you the direction I'm leading. So was the rally on Friday the beginning of the next move up in the market or a bull trap? First of all, I'd say to you, the rally from 2.30 to 4 that made the market look good was a classic Vanna rally brought on by put selling. It clouds judgment. If you remember a couple weeks ago, the risk monitor was still red, and the Investor's Business Daily, their risk monitor, and I whom I respect, I respect IBD and William O'Neill's style of investing, it went green. And if you remember, if you were watching the show, I said to you, they don't pay attention to options. And I think they're going to regret that risk monitor green signal for them. For us, we're still red. And of course, two days later, the market was imploding and they had to go back to marketing a correction. So their signal flashed green and then red, all because there was a Friday rip based on OPEX that they don't incorporate into their thinking. So the first thing I would say to you is that while the market closed strong, it was a clear Vanna rally. So I'm going to have to see what happens early next week before I can really get a determination of whether or not that was just squaring the books in front of a weekend. And then we see volatility spike again Monday morning, market's weak. Like the market might open higher Monday morning and sell off all day. And that will tell you all we saw Friday was classic put selling, banner rally, and it only lasted for a day and we're in a bear market, right? If the market were to gap down Monday morning, hold support, not even gap down, sell off Monday morning, hold support, and start to move higher, that would be constructive. So what I would show, show you is this. We're far away now from the VWAP. So in a bull market, what typically happens is the VWAP gap will get filled 
and then race higher again. Get filled and race higher again. In a bear market um, rally, you'll move away from VWAP. You'll gap up in the morning and run towards a key gamma location. Can't get above it the rest of the day. And Tuesday is the reversal as the market starts selling off again. So let's talk fundamentals for a minute. Why did the market sell off on Fed Day? This is key because I think it may affect next week. The single most important thing we heard when Jay Powell was talking on Fed Day was that he would not answer the questions about what the Fed will do in March. question was asked, will you raise rates 50 basis points? Will you raise them 25 basis points? Will you not raise them at all? And he said, we don't know. We have to look at all the data. We don't have any planned decision. We'll get back to you when we know more. Now, that is a major change for the Fed. Bernanke, Janet Yellen, and Powell, right up until Wednesday, would always give the market a long runway of expectations, telling the market exactly what they were going to be doing. And this is why the market usually rallies on Fed Day, because they come out, they don't say anything new, the market knows exactly what the Fed's going to do, and the put guys sell their puts. Market rallies. It went down on Wednesday because the Fed said, we don't know what we're going to do in March. So the put guys can't sell their puts. In fact, some guys bought more puts. Because now nobody knows what the Fed's going to do next, and we're hanging on every economic piece of data. This is why strength Monday morning to me will be negative for the market, probably lead to selling Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, into the non-farm payroll number on Friday. Welcome to a world where every piece of fundamental economic data will get parsed like this by every market participant trying to get an edge and guess what the Fed's going to do come Fed day in March. It's, it's, it's the worst situation to be in for the market. It's the type of situation that breeds a bear market because for one reason, it elevates put values for a longer period of time keeping volatility higher than normal, which keeps us in a negative gamma environment, which may keep us risk monitor red. I don't know. Okay? So that vol crush that happens because everybody knows what the Fed's going to do, so who needs to own volatility? Who needs to own puts? Because we all know what the Fed's going to do. That's gone. That's why the market was weak on Wednesday. That's why I would expect strength Monday morning to give way to selling Tuesday, Wednesday. And then, of course, depending on what the economic number is on Friday, hey, man, you could have a huge up day if there's terrible jobs numbers. And you could have a huge down day if the jobs numbers are much better than people thought that show inflation, rising wages, or whatever. Now let's go to a couple of charts. It's a fundamental opinion of what's going to happen next week. We have to read and react. Okay, I'd be much, I'd be much more bullish if I see different behavior in the market. Market sells off Monday morning, finds support. I'll be getting long for that. And if the rally lasts all day, I might own it for a swing trade. I might hold it. Right. So there's different things we'll be doing on the trading desk. If you want to know what we're doing, when we're doing it, become a subscriber. Join us. We'd love to have you. All right. But now take a look at. Um, I wanted to share with you this chart of the S&P. This is a weekly chart of the S&P. Now, before we get to it, I just want to go over this. The, the weekly chart of the S&P. We're going to go over the weekly charts of the indexes, and then we're going to get to your Q&A, and, and I'll mix in some of my favorite ideas of what I'm looking for. So this just wanted to share this with you to put all of this that we're talking about this morning into perspective, okay? The weekly chart's the best way to get perspective. What I want to do is show you two separate market corrections, bear markets, whatever you want to call them, okay? And let's look how they bottomed and how they started going up. Let's look at that so we can use that as a guide. Where are we now versus prior corrections? To try to figure out is 
Is this the week we have to buy everything? Or is this just a bull trap? Take a look at the last two corrections. This is weekly chart. So we're right here. This is, quite frankly, the second week of the breakdown of a huge uptrend. It's only the second week for the S&P. All the other indexes have been destroyed. This is the S&P. In fact, let's go look at the uh, other indexes before we go through that. Ready? That's, that's what happens when a rising wedge fails on the innovative stocks. They've crashed. It's only the second week for the S&P. Innovators have absolutely imploded. That's what the small caps. Total classic top. These types of huge tops don't end in two weeks. I've never seen it. It'll take months to build a base to come out of to start a whole new bull market. At the very least, it would take weeks. You would never say the second week breaking down from a massive top is the end of the correction. You would never say that. You'd never see that. Momentum stocks broke down a huge rising wedge, right? Um, the Dow is just now breaking down from a rising wedge, as you can see. Just now breaking down. Just starting. Classic. One day breakdown. One week was a breakdown. The next week was a was a, a attempt to control that breakdown. But these types of patterns generally express themselves a lot lower. If you're not if you're not sure what I mean, just just look at this. Look at this. There's a rising wedge. That's what they do. You say to me, well, that's smaller cap, mid cap. Okay, here here are the momentum stocks. So I want to give you just perspective. I'm just trying to give you perspective. That's, that's what happens when a rising wedge breaks and accelerates lower. doesn't mean it can't have an up week. So let's get back to what I really want to show you was this. So we're in week two of a breakdown of a major uptrend. Let's go back and look at prior sell-offs. So here is the pandemic. This is week two of the pandemic. Major breakdown from a huge uptrend. Consolidation for the next week. Gap down and implosion. Now that's a pandemic, okay? So we don't necessarily have to have a gap down implosion. That was a pandemic. Let's go back to 2018. This is the period where the Fed was reducing liquidity and raising rates. This is the last time the Fed tried to stop quantitative easing. Okay? So I'm showing you this black line here, the 250-day moving average, the 50-week moving average. You'll see that the market tends to stop at that black line, the 50-week moving average, and take a break. It breaks down from the uptrend, has a couple bad weeks, and then consolidates a little bit at that 250-week or 50-day, a 50-week moving average, 250-day, 50-week moving average, right? And then it accelerates lower again. Let's go look at now, and I think 2018 is probably the best time for us to look because this is what's happening today. We're going through a market where the Fed is um, reducing liquidity and raising rates. It's not going to take us back there. Well, first of all, you can see the first breakdown of the pandemic. It had Look at that. Nice up bar back above the 200-day moving average. See that? Lasted for a couple days, reversed and imploded. So when you originally attack the 200-day moving average, you generally try to get back above it. Look at that huge up day right there during the pandemic. Now let's look at what happened here this week. So we cratered to the 200-day, and we're trying to maintain it. That's totally normal. Happens all the time in a correction. Chances are market probably rallies next week, trying to get above that level. I wanted to see if I can show you guys this, and then I'll get to your Q&A. But I just think this is so important to understand where we are in the cycle. Okay, this is 2018. 
okay? This is 2018. Market cratered because the Fed said they're going to reduce liquidity and stop QE. So first of all, look how it broke down. First breakdown of the 200-day, and it immediately rallied off of the 200-day. That's where we are right now. That rally back up off the 200-day, trying to defend, right? Then it craters again. And I just wanted you to see, I highlighted this in white just so you could see. Even when it craters again, it tries a big move. There can be a two-week rally that looks like the whole correction's over. And, of course, that led to massive selling. So to wrap up this thought, it's early in the correction. What stopped the market from going down back here in 2018 is that the Fed said, we're going to stop the taper and we're going to start adding liquidity again. And the market skyrocketed. So the takeaway today is totally normal for the market to be to, to rally back to the 200-day, probably rally above it early next week. Economic numbers are going to be key to how volatile the market is. Volatility is going to remain high. We're early in the process of a correction. And the only thing that would change my opinion is if the Fed literally came out and said, you know what, we rethought our process, we're not going to raise rates, and we're going to stop tapering. Okay, then I'm going to get long, I don't care where the market's traded. But we're very early in the corrective phase. And you're going to get a couple of big up days that make you feel inside, I got to get long, I got to get long. Please recognize you feel that way because of the last two years of a Fed-induced bull market. It's not a Fed bull market. The Fed's reducing liquidity. The game plan has to change. It's very hard to do. It's Pavlovian. Buy the dip, buy the dip, buy the dip. This is what's so dangerous about what the Fed's done to people. Buy the dip, always, always buy the dip. You buy the dip when the Fed's buying the market. And you're cautious about that dip. When the Fed is reducing liquidity and raising rates, those are my thoughts for you today. Let's get to your Q&A. And maybe before I even get to Q&A, um, I'll just throw out there a couple of thoughts for you on um, what groups I find attractive that I may be, um, if I decide to add anything to the portfolio, what am I going to add? And this is a very small list, and then I'll get to your Q&A. Okay. Um, my favorite uh, uh, groups right now are definitely uh, commodity related. So I want to get long energy. I'm going to show you the ETFs. We can go over all the different stocks that you have an interest in, but that they, I want to be long um, um, U.S. exploration production companies. I'd like to be long um, um, the U.S. Um, oil service companies. I like that chart a lot. I'm looking for that entry point. Um, I think that I have a real interest in being long agricultural commodities in a market like this. You see, I think we're in an inflationary market. Okay, I, I really like deer still. Caterpillar's off the list after that earnings collapse. Deer's chart looks pretty good, and it's the commodity play that I'm talking about. So commodity-related assets. You know, we already own AMLP. We're picking up a nice fat yield on AMLP, and I think the pipelines go higher. But I'll be honest with you, there's a very small list of stocks that I have any interest in buying right now. Um, and, and this is not to mean you can't swing trade some things. You, can, you could be surgical with a strike, buy the market, it rips for a couple of days. We did it last week. We took a day trade last week, I think it was on Tuesday, and we carried it through to Wednesday. And we made money on, you know, on the move, uh, on the gap up Wednesday morning. So. I'll put on some trades and I'll try to swing them occasionally. But I think this is a very treacherous market. And I think it's dangerous to just assume because the market had a nice close last week that the correction's already over. And I, I think that's Pavlovian and, and be careful with that. All right, let's get to your questions. And then uh, we'll keep it brief today. And, and um, just, we usually go for an hour, but maybe we'll just keep it brief. What do you got for me? Any questions guys today? 
Yeah, it's cold down here. All right, let's look at Halliburton. I, I, I love Halliburton. I wish I was long with you on Halliburton. Right, right here was the entry point in Halliburton. And at that very moment, the chart's identical to Exxon Mobil. I was buying Exxon and collecting a 5.5% yield. But, I, you know, I should have been buying Halliburton at the same time. The chart looks sick, and it's why I want to get into OIH. I think there's a, um, I think there's, there's a, a, a large move coming in energy. I really do. So market weakness, energy weakness, that's what I'm looking to buy. Indiscriminate selling small caps, tremendous long-term opportunities, but with large caps like Apple, still it. Yeah, um, yeah, they're okay. So, you know, here's Apple. Of course, they had a good range announcement and stock popped back above the 50-day moving average. And, and I, you know, the same thing I could say for Microsoft. Microsoft looks great. You could own Apple and Microsoft in a portfolio, and you'll probably outperform the market. You know, nothing about, just all Microsoft did was go from the top of the channel to the bottom, find support, another good earnings announcement, great stock to put in the portfolio. But I, I would say that um, there's going to be some unbelievable buying opportunities in the innovative growth stocks. And I cannot wait to get them. And I will be here talking about them every Saturday until we get that entry point. And I'll say, guys, here we go. We're putting money to work. Okay. Because there, there's going to be some huge upside into some wonderful growth stocks that have been decimated. You know, this is the second week down for the S&P out of its, you know, out of its uptrend. And it's maybe it's down four or five weeks in a row, but or not in a row, but four or five weeks. But um, this is the second week of the breakdown. But the innovative stocks are down something like 75% from the high. I mean, it's just insane. And there's nothing wrong with the company. They got blowout earnings coming, blowout revenue numbers. So when they set up a bottom, boy, I'll be all over that. Hey, I appreciate that. You're cool as well. Or were you saying I'm cold down here in Florida right now? <laughs> hey, Deb, how you doing? Um, run. Oh, run away from that, Deb. Run away from it. You know, that chart is just, there's nothing about that chart. So I guess I would just have to say, Deb, don't forget uh, and this holds true for, you know, cannabis. I love cannabis stocks. It, until we get higher lows, higher highs, the, the bears are in control. The sellers are in control. Same thing is true about a chart pattern like run. It's just, if it's on your whiteboard, it's on your whiteboard, and you can't elevate it to the top of your board until you start to see a certain location on the price chart where the buyers are starting to defend. And then you can start looking at it again. But on that chart, you can see lower lows and lower highs. There's just no defense. Hey, FedEx Andrew, how you doing, man? Suncor looks awesome. Um, Suncor, I like, you know, Canadian Natural Resources. CNQ is a, a, a bit of skyrocket, but I, mean, I can't buy these things now. The entry point was here. So I have to be, you know, I have to be cautious what energy I do add. You know, we've got, as you know, Andrew, we've got 15% of our portfolio along the pipelines. Okay, so I'm willing to get long there. It's the lower beta way to do it, and I get to collect a lot of yield. But I want to I augment that with some EMP companies and some service companies. I'm just looking for the right entry point. Hey, Ares, I like this BX idea. You, you brought it up in the Slack room, I think it was on Friday. And, you know, it's certainly the right, you know, pattern. You had this runaway Blackstone, pullback, find support right at the 200-day moving average. So um, I'm with you on that. And I've asked all Armor Insiders, you know, in the Slack room this week, um, and we can do it again next week, what we want to do is start to build our hit list of what stocks we really want to own. So chart patterns that look good, stocks that are making higher lows, higher highs, stocks that are holding the 200-day and the 50-day moving averages, um, Companies that are having good responses to earnings. I mean, in a bear market, it's very hard to get a stock to go up on earnings. If it can go up on earnings in a bear market, that's going to be a leader coming out of this, Microsoft, Apple. So let's continue to put together our list, and, and Blackstone's on the list, and certainly something I think I'll do a little research on. 
Do I ever consider reinvesting dividends? Um, I start, no, I never reinvest my dividends. Um, I'm all about putting capital to work at the right entry point. Okay, so let's look at, um, I don't know, let's look at Williams. Okay, the time to buy Williams was right here on the most recent pullback. The time to buy Williams is right here on that pullback. The time to buy Williams was right here on that consolidation before the breakout. The time to buy Williams is not up here. So if I get paid a dividend and I go buy stock up here, that's putting me at a disadvantage with a yield that's actually gone down because the stock has gone up. So I'd rather collect my dividends, leave them in cash, and either add to Williams on the next sell-off to the 200-day or take those dividends and pay bills. I love doing that. And I don't know about you, but I just, that's just fun to me. I love that my money works for me. I worked hard for my money. And now I like my money to work hard for me. And I see dividends end up my, in my, um, my brokerage account, transfer them over to the checking account, pay the bills. I don't know. It's just fun to me. <laughs> but so I'm either going to use the cash, pay bills. I'm going to hold the cash and add it to Williams, not when they want to reinvest, but when I do. Okay. Or buy a whole nother idea at the right entry point. And, 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 kind of diversify my risk a little bit. That's kind of what I do with my dividends. Do I trade stocks intraday after a catalyst? Um, well, um, we do talk about stocks that we trade. Like, look, on the live trading desk, Stefan, we do highlight all the Armour insiders. We're all sharing information on the live desk. We use the Armour algorithms for any idea. So if someone's got an idea they want to trade, they just say to me, hey, let's look at this. We pull it up on the charts. We use the Armour PMP and we say, here's the entry point. Here's the stop. So we do that, you know, all day on the live trading desk, using the Armour algorithm to trade whatever you guys have an interest in. I personally like to trade what I have the highest probability making money in with the least amount of risk. And if I want to make more money, if I feel like I'm not making enough, I'd rather have a bigger position size on an idea where I have the highest probability with the lowest amount of risk. And for me, that comfort level is the indexes. And I can trade triple the ETF. So there's not a stock out there. That's not true. Obviously, there's some crazy penny stocks that skyrocket. But the basic big cap stocks out there, I don't have to try to track 10 or 20 big cap stocks. I can trade the NASDAQ 100, the S&P, and the small cap index, and I can do triple ETFs. There's not a big cap stock out there that's going to outperform a triple ETF on an index. You see what I'm saying? So to me, I, I like to be a rifle. I'm like a sniper, right? I, I, I got a rifle approach to the names that I like. I don't like the shotgun approach of a whole bunch of names. I think it's too hard to manage. Having said all of that, we were trading Tesla this week. I'll show you what I mean. Okay, Tesla is one of our favorite lead indicators. If you're following me on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about because I, I share this with you guys all the time on StockWits and Twitter. Uh, this is our lead index page. Tesla, Block, which is basically the way to express uh, um, cryptocurrencies and semiconductors along with treasuries. So I watch this page to help give me a lead indicator on what the market's going to do in general. I don't know why is this doing this. It drives me crazy. There. So this is Tesla. So this is literally a trade we did on Friday, answering your question, right? This was the Tesla trade on Friday. I highlighted this. The Tesla sold off all morning, put in a meeting bar reversal. You can see it on my Twitter feed. I actually told everybody on Twitter, right? But we do this all the time, right? So there was the entry point. You can buy right here after the meeting bar reversal, or you can buy the bar that goes above the black dotted VWAP. And our target is the ATR high of the day, which is right up here where you're booking profits. And as you can see, it pretty much stops right there and builds a top and then breaks down. So the ATR ends up being the high of the day and you, you get the white lead. You can try to trade a little bit more, but that's, the, that, that's what we're looking for. So we do trade individual stocks. We will trade individual stocks, but I, I generally focus on the indexes. And what I find helps, I think, helps Armour Insiders 
is when you see me getting long the indexes and you have stocks that you're looking to trade, that's the time to trade the stocks. And then seven out of 10 stocks follow the market. So if you can get the market tailwinds behind you and then a name on your you know, trading screen lights up, that's the time to hit it. I think you'll see a, a higher probability of success on that. And are you asking me, do I trade um, specifically earnings news? Uh, not, not really. I don't really. I mean, if it sets up right and there's a good chart pattern, I'll, I'll be happy to do it. But that's not, I don't really usually trade earnings news. Uh, this, this chart on um, Tesla is my favorite trade. So see, earnings news, the stock was down. I mean, earnings news, gap ups and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I, my favorite thing to trade is um, a mean reversion trade. I like to see an asset get whacked in the morning, set up a reversal, and revert back to and through the mean. That is my bread and butter. All right. Um, IRM. Iron Mountain. Yeah, it's a REIT. It's got a good yield. Pretty nasty sell-off. I don't like the chart pattern, but, you know, certainly something for us to, to keep on the list. I never seem to do Iron Mountain, and I always regret it. Nintendo. Well, I mean, you've got your base forming. You know, you've definitely got your, your bottom. And so you see here higher lows, and you get some higher highs that are coming in. So now somebody's trying to defend the Nintendo position. And, you know, if that's something fundamentally that you like, that's certainly um, a chart pattern that would get me sniffing around. That actually reminds me of the Rio Tinto trade we put on. It almost looks the same. Sold right off here. We bought it here, rallied up. We booked our profit. Same with BHP. Then you look at Nintendo and you say, hey, it, it looks like the same type of sell-off, double bottom. And then you look at Nintendo And it looks kind of the same. And this is where you would enter it. I have not, and I appreciate your your um, your suggestion there. I'm totally content with Spot Gamma's information. It shows me the exact type of information that tier one alpha, I assume, if it's about dealer gamma exposure and put call gamma levels, I'm using spot gamma for that information, but I'm sure these guys do a good job too. I mean, spot gamma doesn't have the, you know, the, the monopoly on that information. They just, they just express it in a way that makes sense to me. Um, but I'm sure that works. So I, I think it's smart to know those levels and that's what we do with spot gamma. Yeah, I mean, we had, uh, our colleague, we had a great day trade on the SPY. I'm glad you were there, you know, with us doing it, and, and we'll do it again next week. Um, open your eyes. I'm glad I can help. I, I like sharing information that works and makes money for people. That's just, and protects capital. That's what I love to do. So I'm glad it, it's, it's resonating with you. Yeah, right. You're with me. You're welcome, Stefan. All right, guys, listen, I think I'm going to, um, all right, check, I'm going to check Mara and the Bitcoin. All right, let's take a look at uh, Mara. And then any other questions, you can load them up. And if not, we'll, we'll end this a little bit earlier than some of our other Saturdays. We get a little long in the tooth. So, um, and I'm so proud, I'm so proud of you guys before I get to this. Nobody's asked me about gold and silver yet. I'm so proud of you. I'll show you the charts in a second of gold and silver before we sign off, because I'm sure somebody who's going to watch this video later is going to want me to mention it. So I'm going to show you in a second. But let's look at Bitcoin. Um, so Mara is a complete disaster, and there's really nothing to do with that chart pattern. It looks god-awful. Um, the, the, the way I would look at oops, what I just do? Um, This is what I would look at, okay? Because this is this is the ETF, Arcadi. I'm pretty sure that's you, right, Arcadi? Um, this is the way. Um, this is the ETF of all of those stocks: Mara, 
you know, Bitfarm, uh, um, Riot, all of them. And so I'm watching this to find a bottom, and then, you know, I probably just want to own this. But that looks god-awful. That is an absolute straight downtrend. And I know Bitcoin popped up maybe from, what is it, 32000 to 38000 And, you know, then you're on Twitter, and you have all these guys who are stuck in Bitcoin and at 60000 telling you, look out, Bitcoin's going to be 60000 next week, and you're going to have missed it. Go out there and buy it. I mean, they're just talking their book. They're desperate. For you to put their stock, for you to put their cryptocurrency back up, um, the cryptocurrency will go up at some point. It's a risk asset, like any other risk asset. And when risk on again, I'm going to be out there buying crypto, and I'll be out there buying the crypto mining stocks. But I'm not going to be out there trying to catch a falling knife to help people whining on Twitter. Those are my thoughts on crypto. Yeah, it's you. Hey, cool. <laughs> nice to see you. All right. Um, let me. Um, what are your thoughts on Amazon earnings next week? Yeah, okay. Um, well, first of all, you know, te- Tesla stock did not respond well to earnings, JJ. So uh, a good earnings number is not necessarily um, uh, going to put the stock up. I'm not even sure that this was a good number when you when you parse the details. But um, yes, Microsoft held up and, and Apple had a good day. Um, I almost feel like Apple had a good day because it was a, if Apple had announced earnings the prior week, it probably would have been down. But the market was due for a bounce. It was oversold. They announced earnings. It went up on as guys who own puts sold it. So the jury's out on how high Apple will actually go off of that earnings announcement. So I wouldn't buy, look, I generally don't buy companies in front of earnings for earnings sake. Even in a bull market, I don't do that. In a bear market, I really don't do that. So I look for the right entry point. If it happens to be a couple days or a couple weeks in front of earnings, okay. If it's after earnings, that's fine. But I don't buy something because of earnings. So let's go look at Amazon's chart and say, is this a, you know, um, a chart pattern that we want to own? And, and I don't know I don't know how anybody could argue that that's a chart pattern they want to own. I mean, to me, this is, I mean, unless you want to argue, okay, we can argue. Let's argue. Let's debate, right? There's the channel and it cratered out of the channel and you're hoping it's going to recapture the channel. Okay. I mean, but I wouldn't buy it for me. And it goes back to the, the, the discussion of, higher lows, higher highs. I don't need to catch Amazon's first move off the bottom. What I'm going to catch is the pullback and then the move. Let's go look at the S&P for a second so you can understand what I mean by this. I want to show you. um, I want to show you what I mean here. Okay. Um, Let's go back and look at the market and how it bottoms. How it bottoms, what, what does the market bottom really look like? So, so the market's cratering, cratering, cratering. Then it has a rally. This was a three-day rally. Bang, 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 okay? Consolidation, gap down to test, right? That freaked everybody out. Then it reversed, took out the high of this consolidation, and you're getting long on that bar right there. That's where we got long in March of 2000. That bar right there was the bar we bought. So I didn't buy the first move off the low. I waited for the test that held, and I bought this bar taking out the highs. Okay? So I never try to catch a falling knife. I like to catch the trade after a low has been made, a test has been made, so when you look at, and then, I, and then I buy the break, okay? And it's still, it's way before the stock's up here. I mean, what's going to happen is, let's say it's a good number, everyone loves it, stock gaps up, consolidates, pulls back. Either it makes a double bottom in a really bad market, or it makes a higher low, and then we buy that break. And that's like a couple of weeks away at the very earliest. Hey, Saber, how are you, man? Nice to see you. Biotech. Three times biotech. Oh, wow. 
Well, say we're, I mean, we could trade the, the triples of um, semiconductors, biotechs, but I'm glad you brought this up because I do want to, actually, it's very important. I hope Stefan's still here. I hope you're still here, Stefan. I'm not trading the triples in a bear market. I'm trading the doubles. When volatility spikes, I don't need 3X. And this goes for this question here, Saber. If we wanted to own biotech right now, I'm happy with XBI or IBD, which is a one-to-one ETF because the volatility has gone berserk. I don't need the extra. And I think it's very, look, it's much much harder to trade in a high volatility market. Your losses can get big quick, and that ruins you for the rest of the day or sometimes the rest of the week. So we have to avoid that. We have to avoid being greedy. We have to say there's such, there's such volatility right now. Man, I could probably get a 5 or 10% move in XBI in a day. So do, do I need 15? I mean, I, I, that's my personal opinion. You know, don't forget the Armour Report stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So every time I talk with you guys, it's coming from an area of managing risk. And so to me, in a bear market, using a triple ETF is too much risk. That's my thought. In a bull market, where it's a green risk monitor, and it's a, and it's a positive gamma environment, and volatility is less, and you just keep grinding higher, then I want to jack up my, my uh, um aggressive behavior so I can get more movement. In a, in a, world, a world like that, XBI only goes up 2%, and I can get 6 if I own this thing. Yeah, I'll do that. You see what I'm saying? That's just my own personal opinion there. I, I've always got to manage my risk first and, and then capture upside second. That's my opinion. I don't trade Nikkei, and I don't trade European markets, and that's just, you know... Um, I just can't. I just can't trade 24 hours a day. I have a wife and kids, so I get up, I do my thing during the U.S. trading hours, and then I'm done. Thanks a lot, Saber. Had a great time working with you last week, and uh, look forward to seeing you again next week. Um, on that note, let me just uh, real quick. We're just going to look at because um, I, I I do have a position in. Sprott Physical Gold and Silver. Okay, and so my only comment on Gold and Silver is this. Uh, and so Armor Insiders already know this, but I'm sharing this with any of you who are not on the desk with us chatting every day. But, um, you know, Fed meetings almost always put the do- uh, gold down, almost always. So to see gold down on a week of a Fed meeting, you can't be surprised by it. The end of the month is always a time where the price of gold and silver bullion gets suppressed. You can't be surprised by it. You can be surprised when gold goes up big at the end of the month, when gold and silver go up big on a Fed day. That's the surprise. The surprise is not for them to be down. That happens all the time. At the Armour Report, I'm not long. We are not long. Any precious metals mining stocks, and we haven't been for two weeks, we took our shot, our stock was hit, we got out. That's what we do. And I could see we had to get out because we were going into the end of the month and a Fed meeting. And if they were acting like that before the end of the month of the Fed meeting, chances are they're going lower into the end of the month in the Fed meeting, which is precisely what happened. As long as physical gold doesn't go below the uptrend, I'm staying long physical gold. As long as physical silver holds this low, I'm staying long physical silver. Now, if it gaps down Monday morning and takes it out, I'll be gone. It'll be over. I'll put it back on my whiteboard for another day. Okay? So the risk on entry point for me was on this, this up bar in here. I mean, you had to be long already. But this three-bar reversal was the risk on entry point. This was the follow-through. And when it took out the low of that bar, you had to get out of precious metals mining stocks, which we did. And they've cratered. Same thing is true about gold. GDX. Three-bar reversal, 
follow through. The minute it goes below the low of that follow through bar, that's the stop. And we did, and it's gone lower. Okay. If it recovers from that low, because we got now, now the weekend, the, the month is over, the Fed meeting is gone, and there's time for healing. And if they turn in here quickly, quickly, I might get long those assets again next week. So we have to watch how they trade. That could be the last shakeout before the run, and I might put trades back on. All right? Anyway, guys, I appreciate all the time you spent um, with me today. Um, what was I going to show you there? can't remember. Anyway, I appreciate all the time you spent with me. As always, I gain a lot of information from you. So thank you for that. Have a great weekend. I look forward to seeing all of you who are Armor Insiders and Armor Subscribers. You can subscribe to the free version of the Armor Report right there, armorreport.com. Just go check it out. You'll get emails every morning that tell you what our stance is and how we expect to be acting during the day. I think you guys might enjoy that. Uh, So subscribe to that at the very least. And I'll see you all next week. Have a great weekend.